If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What a ridiculously fun day of baseball. We'll break it all down. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, May 11th. Frank Stamfel joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we had a no-hitter, a near-no-hitter, We'll fire up that worryometer. A few wake-up signs for some hitters and much more. Move over, oh my goodness gracious. We need a crazier call for this one. Yes! 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 Well, thank you, Hawk Harrelson. This Angels <laughs> game was just insane on Tuesday. 12 runs scored on 18 hits for the Angels. Mike Trout goes 3-for-4 with a double dong. He's now up to 9 homers. Anthony Rendon, his first plate appearance ever as a lefty, he was going up against a position player in Brett Phillips. He hits a left-handed home run. That was awesome. (laughs) Obviously, the story of the game, Reed Detmers, who threw a no-hitter, former first-round pick back in 2020, the 10th overall pick in that draft. He allowed just one base runner on a walk. He had just two strikeouts, 10 swinging strikes on 108 pitches. Chris, we haven't seen you in a couple days. What do you think of this performance by Reed Detmers? He's 36% rostered, so he's out there if you need to add a pitcher. Yeah, and that number is going to go up, and maybe it should. It was an impressive performance. He had the raise hitters off balance pretty regularly in this game, pr- produced a lot of weak contact. That that final inning, if you, if you were watching it, I think it was just two weak ground balls and a pop-up to the catcher. So, you know, it, it wasn't... It wasn't like it was just a fluke, but he had two strikeouts. He had 10 swinging strikes on 108 pitches. He's been pretty underwhelming so far. Reed Detmers is someone I liked quite a bit as a uh, sleeper coming into the season, and his strikeout rate now is below 20%. I think it was below 20% coming into the game, so it's gotten even worse. Um, I don't know. It's been a little disappointing, obviously, (laughs) You know, you can only be so disappointing when you've thrown a no-hitter. But um, I expected more from Reed Detmers overall. I hate to do that. That feel. Can we start over? 
I know. It feels so weird. at the beginning of this podcast? I get it, though, Chris. I mean, you look at his overall numbers even after this start. He's got 20 strikeouts to eight walks, over 31 innings pitched, a 3.77 ERA. His XFIP is 4.29. This is Reed Detmers that we're talking about. So it's kind of weird to, to start the show like this. It's an awesome moment for baseball. Obviously, happy for the guy. Former first-round pick. I hope he goes on to have a tremendous career. But overall, yeah. Scott, right now, the numbers are not fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to make any apologies. I don't think he's going to hear what we say or care if he does hear it. So whatever. I, I don't think he's been very good, and I don't think this changes anything for me. It, it was obviously a great start with a great outcome. But, you know, if he's, if he's striking out two batters per nine, it's, it's a problem. And I mean, like, come on. You've got Zach Granke ranked higher than him. I Hypocrite. do. I do. Um, so, I, I mean, the thing about Reed Detmers is when he was from the day he was drafted, which wasn't that long ago, throughout his time in the minors, which wasn't very long, the, the scouting reports always raved about his curveballs. This amazing pitch. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't have much else to go with it, but this curveball is going to carry him. And the curveball especially has been underwhelming. Uh, of his 10 swinging strikes, five came on the changeup. And, and like the all year, last year, the little bit we saw him, the curveball hasn't been doing much statistically for him. So if he doesn't have... Like if that pitch turns out to not be very special and it hasn't looked special so far and it wasn't special in this game, I'm not sure what Reed Detmers has. He throws a lot of strikes, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I will be positive. One, the fact that he threw, threw his changeup 24 times in this start and got five swings and misses, he had barely been throwing that pitch. He had thrown it 37 times total in his career in 10 starts leading up to this, so... That seems like a pretty good sign that he, you know, is more confident in that pitch. Um, the results with that pitch have been pretty good so far. Um, it's had a healthy swing and miss rate. The curveball has had very, very good results on batted balls. Um, the swing strike rate, the whiff rate was 23% coming into today's start. And he only had, what, three on eight swings. So it didn't get too much better in this one. But. You know, he's he's gotten a lot of weak contact with the changeup and curveball in particular. That was also true today. Um, so I, I don't want to say there's nothing here. You know, his issue last season really was his fastball, and the fastball hasn't been getting great results this season. It allowed some pretty hard contact today as well. So that remains a bit of a concern. But I don't know. We've seen signs um, from his curveball, changeup, and slider that they can all be pretty useful pitches. The swings and misses haven't quite been there, but you know maybe that's the kind of thing that can come with time as he gets more comfortable. And he's still a talented pitcher. He's still got good control, um, and you know he's not going to throw a no hitter again, most likely. But you know maybe. I, I want to say there's still some potential. And, like, I was close to dropping Reed Detmers in a couple of leagues. I have him in a couple. I'm surprised you've held out this long. I, yeah, I didn't drop him yet, and now I won't. I, I dropped uh, Armand Marquez instead of him in one league this week. This week, And um, I think it's likelier that Armand Marquez is more useful. But I wanted to roll the dice on uh, a little bit of the unknown there and you know, Detmers was on my bench this week, so I didn't benefit from this one. Although, I did start him in TGFBI, so 
That was nice. There you go. Um, nice. Yeah, so he's only... He, he's he's only 36% rostered in CBS. Yeah, I don't think he should be you should run out and add him. Right. Yeah, no, I don't I don't either. Is what where I was going. Um not not he will be added in a lot of leagues based on this start, yeah. but I, I just think they're I I don't know. I I might even prefer somebody like uh well, certainly like Josh Winder. I don't know what his roster rate is up to now, but even somebody like Bruce Zimmerman, and I'm not that wild about Zimmerman. I feel like he's shown more than Demers has. Honestly, the yeah, part from this game the part for this game I'm going to remember the most is the Anthony Rendon home run. It's crazy. <laughs> like he had never batted left-handed in a major league game before. And obviously he only did it because there was a position player on the mound. I mean, <laughs> look, <laughs> like man, teams are allowed to-, to carry teams are allowed to carry 14 pitchers right now. So if anyone complains at all about the, the angels running up the score on the Rays with a position parent player on the mound, just go away forever. Because well, like, if you've got 14 pitchers on your roster and you're throwing out a, a position player, I want I want that dude to get bombed. And look, Brett Phillips is a cool guy. He's got a sense of humor about himself. I'm sure he doesn't mind the fact that Mike Trout hit a... It was officially only 421 feet. <laughs> I felt low. It's only a bat left-handed. <laughs> and and uh, like you, you have the famous example from the All-Star game, Larry... Walker turning around and batting from the other <laughs> side against Randy Johnson, but that's an all-star game. So, like, yeah, I mean, you can't blame the Angels for running up the score when their hitters aren't even taking it seriously. <laughs> he, he happened to hit a home run, and like the state, like the 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 swing was. Fun. I'm trying to remember what player it reminds me of because he had this very. It had, it, you know what it looked like? Kick that was like kicking a dog door. You, you know? know what it looked like? It looked like Kirk Gibson's uh, that- famous home run. It did okay. kind of look kind of like, like off balance, that, yeah. That's not the stance I'm thinking. There's some left-handed batter that had that same leg kick that was just this very pronounced, like, like <laughs> intentional, like just kick forward. You know, not even so much like an up leg lift up, leg set down <laughs> leg kick, but just a little kick forward, like you're, like I said, like you're kicking yeah, like, a dog. Mike Trout got a real home run in this game before that, also. So he yeah, did. That's that's worth mentioning. He's he's awesome. Yeah, he's now up to nine home runs. He's batting three thirty seven. So Reed Detmer is not a must add, but uh, in leagues where you do need pitching, you could take a shot. See where it goes from here. I hope you didn't start Corey Kluber on the other side of this game. He gave up eight <laughs> earned runs on eleven hits over three innings of work. That's a twenty four ERA, negative fourteen fantasy points over on CBS. Not great, Bob. Uh, another pitcher. Hall of Fame likely pitcher. Uh, Justin Verlander took a no-hitter deep into his start as well, into the eighth inning. Finally gives up a hit to Gio Urshela. Uh, the final line, eight innings, one hit, two walks, five strikeouts, just seven swinging strikes on 89 pitches. Scott, I don't know that there's much more to add outside of Justin Verlander has been awesome. He's looked like Justin Verlander for the most part, outside of the fact that he's not really getting a ton of swings and misses and strikeouts this season. Does that worry yeah. you at all? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much to care about that. It's it's the swinging strike rate is below ten percent, which is awful. Agreed. It's not just bad. It's not just out of character. It's an awful swinging strike rate. Uh, but the velocity's been good. Obviously, the results have been great, and he's Justin Verlander, so it makes me uneasy. But does it worry me? 
I just, I just feel like there are so many other things to worry about. I can't, I can't let something like that worry, <laughs> worry me. If he starts to struggle, it'll become an issue. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at, if you compare it to the last time he pitched, the the biggest change is, I mean, his slider swing and miss rates down quite a bit, thirty nine percent to twenty eight percent coming into the start. But I, I think the the bigger thing might be the fastball swing and miss rate down thirty one percent to sixteen percent. Um, and you know the the reason I point that out is because you know he, he hasn't pitched since the sticky stuff ban mm-hmm. went into went into effect, and his spin rate is down 180 RPM while his velocity is basically the same. Velocity and spin rate tend to correlate with one another. Velocity tends to go up as or spin rate tends to go up as velocity goes up, and vice versa. So, you know, the fact that the spin rate is down would suggest that potentially there is some risk to the fastball becoming a liability for him. He's always been uh, someone who does give up a fair amount of fly balls, but he gets so many strikeouts and so much weak contact that you don't really worry too much about it. And, you know, for the most part, that's still true. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't bring myself to be too worried about it. Like Scott said, like there's there's a lot of other things to be worried about. You know, I I, I drafted Joey Gallo in a lot of leagues. You know, my, I'm I'm preoccupied <laughs> right now. That, that's not to say that there's nothing to be worried about with Justin Verlander, and I think it's worth noting for posterity's sake. Yeah. Um, and maybe he's a bit of a sell high candidate. Like we, I think we all probably did. We all move him into like into like the top six at starting pitcher. Yep. Um, at, yeah. At least top seven. Like, Maybe that's too aggressive. Although there are probably more glaring warning signs with the two guys that I would imagine we both have, we all have ahead of him, who are Walker Bueller and Brandon Woodruff. You know, Woodruff, I don't know, Bueller's results have been really good as well, but his strikeout yeah. rate is way down. His, his swing strike rate has collapsed. Um, yeah, he's, he's changed his pitch mix in the last couple <clears throat> starts, I noticed. He's really starting to emphasize the cutter. That's, that's earned a lot of praise. This year, so I, I think I think Walker Bueller is kind of in the middle of an evolution, and maybe the strikeouts catch up. I, I, he's he's not that he's not a pitcher that's ever been that dependent on strikeouts, and he actually has a career yeah. high swinging strike rate right now. Mm-hmm. Does Walker Bueller, despite the low strikeout rate? So I, I I'm not that worried about Bueller. And, and like I said, I'm not that worried about Verlander. And like I said, yes, like, I'm not that worried about Woodruff. But maybe like, Kevin to like Gosman, Shane Bieber or, maybe Kevin Gosman should be ahead of Justin Verlander. I think you can make maybe. a case for that. Yeah, you can but, make a case. But, you know, it, it's Gosman we saw get off to a really hot start last season and, and slow down. So, I don't know. You, you can make a case that Justin Verlander is a sell-high candidate, but I, I, don't, I don't know how strongly I believe in it. Uh, I have already moved Gaussman ahead of Justin Verlander. I might re- move Rodon ahead of him as well, just because of the swing and miss there. But I did uh, do that. Yeah, I have I have uh, I have Rodon fourth now. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. Uh, just putting a bow on this Verlander conversation. One point five five ERA. Uh, that's with a BABIP that's one sixty eight. His strand rate is ninety three and a half percent. So just realize there will be some regression at some point for Justin Verlander. So like Chris said. His- his uh, Babbitt, the last time we saw him, was super low too, right? Yeah, I mean, he gives up a lot of fly balls, so that's going to be conducive to a lower Babbitt. But anyway, um, if you drafted Verlander as your SP3 or, I don't know, maybe even SP4 if you drafted early in the offseason, then you probably have an embarrassment of pitching. And, you know, if you need a hitter, look to maybe swap Verlander out for an elite hitter moving forward. 
Okay. Now the show officially starts. 15 minutes in. Oh my goodness gracious. Let's talk about a few standouts from Tuesday's action. Uh, and we will start with Chris. Who you got? Yeah, we'll go with a game that's still ongoing. So I, I don't know if he's officially the pitcher of record. But Robbie Ray looked more like himself in this outing. Um, 10 strikeouts and five and two thirds innings. Velocity was up a little bit, not exactly where it was last year, 93.4 miles per hour, about a mile per hour down from where he was last year, but about a mile per hour up from where he had been. And he just decided to go super slider heavy through 54% of the time, got 15 swings and misses on 30 swings in this game. So, you know, that's one way you can overcome having a slightly less effective fastball or, you know, potentially a much less effective fastball is his fastball usage rate entering this start was 60%. Today it was 33 per, uh, sorry, 42%. So whether that's a sustainable change moving forward for Robbie Ray remains to be seen. We saw Patrick Corbin do that to very, very good results and then increasingly diminishing results. Um, when he went super slider heavy, but it, uh, it worked today against a good Phillies team and the velocity was up as well. So I think you, you have to be more optimistic about Robbie Ray after this start than any other start this season, I would say. I, I think it was his first with even a strikeout per inning, yes. right? Much less yes. more than. I believe so. Almost, almost double a yeah. strikeout per inning this time out. Yep. So I'm encouraged overall. Oh, no, by he had start. one with eight and five. Eight strikeouts okay. and five innings. Okay. I'm encouraged overall by the start for Robbie Ray, but again, we have to see how sustainable it is him throwing the slider this much and, and how he builds off of this. But obviously, uh, a great start here on Tuesday against the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh my goodness gracious for you, Scott. Who you got? Pitcher, uh, a pitcher who's much lower end, opposite end of the spectrum, Alex Faedo, who was making his second start for the Tigers. And got sent down in between, but it, it looks like between injuries to Matt Manning and Casey Mize, they have a spot to, to keep him around. And he should stay around based on the way this performance went. It was against the A's, so you know, kind of a kind of a minor league lineup. But nonetheless, he had seven he uh, allowed two runs in five innings with seven strikeouts, had seventeen swinging strikes on just eighty-three pitches, including ten on the 26 sliders that he threw. And I was reviewing the scouting report Baseball America had. And, and yeah, the slider is, is the real deal, according to them. That, that is a pitch that has uh, consistently wowed scouts, and it showed here in his second major league start. The minor league production, by and large, wasn't very good, but he is a former first-round pick, is Faedo. He hadn't pitched since 2019 because of Tommy John's surgery, so a, a, a career-altering event just happened to him. And when he came, he, his minor league production this year, only in 15 and two-thirds innings, but 20 strikeouts versus three walks. So he was carving up hitters down there too and uh, continued to do against the Athletics. So, you know, the Tigers have had a bunch of high-end pitching prospects arrive and not do much. For fantasy purposes, Tarek Skubal seems to finally be coming around, but Mize and Manning, not so much. Uh, and and Fayeda wasn't as high end as them, but this is an encouraging encouraging uh, effort here and only his second start and enough maybe to take a flyer on him. 
I think I'd actually pick him up over Reed Detmers. I gotta say. I, to I wonder, Scott, if he's if he's gonna. I don't. I don't know if it's happened already. I haven't seen it, but I imagine he he gets sent down again after the start. If he was just up for the doubleheader. Yeah, well, he like was I said, who's, who's their fifth starter? Today? If it's not him. Well, it's a fair point. Casey Mize is going out on a rehab assignment on Thursday, but it's probably going to take okay. a, take some time. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. I know so that's a fair point. Matt Manning made a rehab start recently. I don't know how close he is, but. Uh, those guys are getting closer, so okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Didn't, I didn't know either of them were that close. So yeah, I think I take I, back the Reed Detmer's comment, but nonetheless, you're not. Fido, you're not. You're I not hope, on board with Bo Brisky. <laughs> I hope they find a way to keep Fido around. I'll uh, just say that he is a name to watch for sure right now. So throw him on the scout team. Three percent rostered is Alex. Alex Fido. Fido, not Bo Brisky. No, 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 no. A cool name, though. Bo Brisky. I'm about it. But, uh, I Fido. think that's how you pronounce it. I don't <laughs> Let's watch him for now. Uh, on the other side of that start, Adrian Martinez is a, I guess, semi-prospect received by the uh, Padres in that Sean Mania trade. And uh, he was all right, too. Five and a third shutout, four hits, zero walks, three strikeouts. He had... 11 swinging strikes on 79 pitches. So uh, minor league track record, not as great. Doesn't have as much prospect pedigree as someone as like Fiedo, but just a name to watch. Adrian Martinez, I'm sure he'll get another shot with the Oakland A's. Uh, another pitcher, a prospect who was pretty awesome on Tuesday, Kyle Bradish. Amazing start at the St. Louis Cardinals. Seven innings, four hits, two runs, 11 strikeouts to zero walks. He had 14 swinging strikes on 90 pitches. Nine of those came on the slider, five on the fastball, and his velocity was up in this start to up one mile per hour on the fastball, up one mile per hour on the slider, uh, and he was pretty good in AAA in his three starts this season. Scott, what do you think about Kyle Bradish, 6% rostered, and this great start that he had Tuesday? He doesn't have like that that one thing you can latch onto, like Fajardo with the slider, that makes me think, okay, I could definitely see how this guy becomes a success in the majors. But he had been a good strikeout pitcher in the minors, as you pointed out. His whip last year was 136, and that was both because the walks and the hits were high. And of course, the Orioles' track record of developing pitchers. I mean, when's the last good one they developed? Maybe John Means, but before then, like obviously they dropped the ball with guys like Jake Arrieta. They, they don't have a track record of developing pitching, does that organization. So... You know, you could take a flyer on him. I don't think it's a bad idea. He's going to stay in the rotation, obviously. Uh, but I'm not ready to, you know, I'm, I'm not really ready to, like, give him my stamp of approval yet. All right. Again, that is Kyle Bradish. Chris, where does he rank among this group? I have four waiver wire names from Tuesday night. You say Kikuchi, back-to-back solid starts. He had seven strikeouts over five and a third innings against the Yankees in this one. Martin Perez, he allowed four runs, but only one of them was earned. He had 20 swinging strikes on 106 pitches against the Royals. Mad Bum, a quality start against the Marlins. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. And then the aforementioned Kyle Bradish. Chris, how do you rank that group? Kikuchi, Perez, Mad Bum, Bradish. I have almost no interest in Perez or Bumgarner, so... I would say Kikuchi and then Bradish. Um, you know, Bradish strikeout rate in the high minors is pretty interesting, and the the slider he did get nine whiffs with that. So, you know, I don't want to ignore that completely. Um, but Kikuchi, I've always 
had a thing for. I've always thought there was potential there. And he has, he's been searching for an answer. You know, like it's always felt like there was just like he was missing something. And what he's done over the last couple of starts has been tinkering with his slider and his cutter. He used to have two separate pitches in this one. It kind of looks like he just like morphed them into one pitch. I don't know if this is a a classification thing. I don't think so because the velocity band was fairly narrow with the what was called his slider today. It was 84 to 99, 90.9 miles per hour, uh, averaged 88.5. That was up about five miles per hour from where his slider's been formed most of the season. It was down a little bit from where his cutter's been. So, you know, it could be a, a case where he's, you know, trying to find the right mix to go go along with, you know, a a fairly decent mid nineties fastball. And, you know, maybe splitting the difference between those two pitches, throwing something a little bit harder than the slider and a little bit with a little bit more movement than the cutter can kind of help it. I don't know, maximize it. Maybe it's like he, he, he goes from having two mediocre pitches to one pretty good one. The results today were, pretty promising only four swinging strikes on that one um and he barely threw his change up so that's something to keep an eye on but i I think kikuchi has more appeal than than bradish all right uh scott how do you rank these three waiver wire pitchers kikuchi uh reed detmers and kyle bradish i think the order you said them kikuchi detmers and bradish yeah All right, fair enough. Let's move over to some Worryometer hitters. I put out a tweet asking, and these were the names that I received most often. We'll start with Max Muncy, who went one for three. He is batting 143 overall, of course, had the partially torn UCL in the playoffs last year, and we didn't know if he was going to start the season on time. He has, and he hasn't been great. He only has three home runs to this point, a 611 OPS. Scott, we'll start with you. Worryometer on Max Muncy. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Well, I mean, I guess the, the source of my worries would be less the production than does it have to do with the elbow. As I was saying yesterday, I'm kind of in a place right now where I don't feel like I can make a real assessment on any hitter because it's, we're still figuring out how this environment's going to play and, and, and what attributes are most impacted by it. So I'm, I'm hesitant to overreact to any slow start. But because Muncy has the elbow issue that may be contributing to his early struggles, I'll go as high as uh, 3.5 on him. What's interesting about Muncy, the fly ball rate is way up, so it seems like... He's trying to sell out for power, but his home run to fly ball ratio is down. So just not impacting yeah, I mean, the ball as hard as he has in recent years. The one thing I would say to that is um, his ground ball rate's about the same. So it, it, it's mostly traded. He's traded line drives for fly balls. And I don't know. Early on, I don't know how much you can take away from that, like being a, a change in approach or a change in swing. It, it could be just, you know, he's he's gotten under a few. Um, you know, his, I don't know. I wrote a piece today kind of about Cattell Marte and then also about four other by low hitter candidates and Muncie could have very well been on that list. But the, the case I made was basically like with guys who are that established, it probably makes sense to buy low, even if the underlying numbers aren't all that impressive, just because like 
sometimes weird stuff happens in a month, especially in a weird month, you know, like weird weather and, and shortened spring training. Like it probably makes sense to just like, I think Cattell Marte is good. And so I'm going to buy low on him, even though his underlying numbers were trash. And yeah. well, that's I, worked out really well over the last I, week. I, I keep reminding people of last April. I mean, I know we've kind of memory halted at this point, but last April, every hitter was terrible, except <laughs> like J.D. Martinez and Yermin Mercedes and Jazz yeah. Chisholm and, you know, a couple others. But that, that was a month where it was cold and weird stuff happened. Now, this year, is the offensive environment is worse particularly for home runs. I'm, I'm not doubting that, but I don't think you should, like I said, I, I don't feel but like you can take any hitters numbers at face value yet. The other thing would be with Muncie in particular, he's not hitting the ball as well as he did last season, even without the context of the ball, not traveling as far. And he's got that elbow. And so yeah. that would be a reason like Cattell Marte or Joey Gallo. Like, I don't really have a reason to think that Joey Gallo is just a dramatically worse hitter than he was last year. Stinks. Maybe he is. Maybe he stinks because he's on the Yankees and he strikes out. And so if you strike out and you're on the Yankees, you're just the worst player in the world. That's not true. But there's no actual reason to look at Joey Gallo and say, like, he's, he's just done. There might be a reason to think that Max Muncy's just a worse player now. All right. So well, th- that, that would be the, the distinction I would draw there. Let's move over to Whit Merrifield then, who went one for four on Tuesdays, batting 139, dropped to eighth in the Kansas City Royals lineup. Uh, the OPS is down at 340. Chris, where are you at? Worryometer on Whit Merrifield. So Merrifield is another one of those players who I, I did say to just buy low on. And I don't know, like, it's possible. He's 20, 33 years old, so it's possible that he's just hit a wall. But, like, I don't really think there's a lot of reason to think he has his sprint speed is right where it's been in the past few years. His contact rate is a little bit worse than last year, but that's actually mostly just because his out of zone contact rate is down. His in zone contact rate is basically identical to what it was last season. And so like, I don't necessarily think there's a, there's a really good sign that he's just lost it. Like right now, he's got a huge drop in his line drive rate. And that's a really bad thing for a player who's basically, he needs to hit for a high batting average or he has no appeal because he's not going to get on base otherwise. And that would be a really bad thing if Whit Merrifield had like a 17% line drive rate for the rest of the season or whatever it is. But line drive rate takes a really, really long time to stabilize. Way longer, like... It's probably too early to make too much hay out of ground ball rate and fly ball rate and stuff like that. It's definitely too early to look at line drive rate. Like six weeks is just doesn't tell you very much about line drive rate at all. And so I do just kind of have to believe that Whit Merrifield's going to figure it out because his track record's long enough that I buy it. Maybe not the 290 hitter version of him, but the 265 version who steals a bunch of bases, I think is still there. Um, It's possible that he's such a punch and Judy hitter that this new debtor ball just completely takes the the wind out of his sails. But I don't know. We, we thought that that was true of Jeff McNeil last year. And that explained why he took such a downturn. And then he's been pretty solid this year. So I don't, I, I, I can't give up on Whit Merrifield. I agree. His BABIP right now is 152. For his career, it's 324. I understand fly balls, uh, infield fly ball rate is up 
The line drives are down, so obviously those things are conducive to a, low, a lower BABIP and lower mm-hmm. batting average, but average exit velocity, the hard hit rate for Whit Merrifield's actually up so far this year. Still very bad. Yeah. I, but yeah, no, it's always course. been bad. Yeah, it's always been bad. So I, I would be looking to buy. I know if you have him, that's not what you want to hear. Obviously, you want results, but I, I think that he is going to be much closer than the Whit Merrifield that we've, than we've seen and that we've seen of old uh, for the rest of the season. Brandon Lau is another one off to a slow start. Over three, he is batting at 200 at this point. Scott, worryometer on Brandon Lau. So Brandon Lau is about as low on the worryometer as I can go. Low or Lau? As Lau. You know, a low got sent down. <laughs> low. Lau is low on the worryometer. And let me uh, let me use this illustration for you. I, I mean, if if, if there I are any worries, anything. if there are any worries about Lau, it's it's that how, do we know how good he was in the first place? But obviously, he was very good last year, and we've seen him be very good for stretches. Uh, last April eleventh, so today is April eleventh, right? Last Man. April eleventth, Brandon Lau was hitting one ninety three with the six seventy two OPS. What are his numbers Man. now? Sorry. Yeah, last May 11th, Brandon Lau was hitting 193 with a 672 OPS. What are his numbers He entered now? today 206 with a 688 OPS. So oh. actually, relative to the league average, he's actually been better so far. He's ahead of pace, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, he's been a streaky player his whole career, and yeah, you, you just got to ride mean, it out. He was a disaster at this point last season. Like, remember... He had 41 strikeouts in 134 plate appearances at this point last season. He was striking out a ton. He wasn't really – he was hitting for some power, I guess, but that was basically all he was doing. He had 23 hits. Six of them were home runs. He actually hasn't been uh, as bad in terms of strikeouts so far, so that's a reason to be optimistic. Uh-huh. I guess the only thing would be with the Rays, there's always a chance for a left-handed hitter who is struggling to not be an everyday player, but I don't know. They haven't seemed too inclined to do that. And yeah, I think the fact that Brennan Lau had a similar start last season and then ended up nearly hitting 40 home runs is a pretty good reason to be not worried about him. All right. The last hitter we're going to talk about here, Marcelo Zuna. He went 0 for 2 with a walk, actually stole a base. On Tuesday, he is batting 210 overall. Chris, where are you at? Worryometer on Marcel Ozuna. Um, I, I'm pretty low. Again, I, I think it's a similar situation to all these guys. And I know you guys are getting tired of us saying that and you want us to tell you to drop people, but I don't know. They're like Ozuna's not striking out a lot. He's still hitting the ball well. He his max exit velo is still high. His hard hit rate's still high. I just I, I think he's going to be okay. He, he's another guy who's had stretches where he's really underperformed uh, our expectations and his underlying numbers. And so you can't say that he won't do that again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't see much reason to be worried about Marcelo Zuna. So I, I would say uh, three. I'll point out with Ozuna, obviously didn't play much last year, only 48 games. He had the whole domestic violence situation going on. And just Mm -hmm. year-over-year consistency has been a struggle for Marcelo Zuna. So uh, I agree, the underlying numbers, the stat cast numbers, obviously we don't know what to make of these expected stats yet, but he's hitting 214 
with a 359 slug. His XBA is 262. His X slug is 507. So based on his quality of contact, he deserves much better numbers to this point in the season. Again, that is Marcel Ozuna. Before we hit a quick break, I want to remind everybody to join our Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. It's a really fun community. Ask waiver wire questions, trades, dynasty, keeper conversations. Uh, It's just overall really fun. So if you haven't already, please join up there. It's a lot of fun. Let's take a break. And when we return, we'll get to news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The news and notes. Jacob deGrom was transferred to the 60-day IL and is expected to remain out through the All-Star break. He is... Of course, on the IL with a stress reaction of his right scapula. Carlos Correa was placed on the IL with a bruised finger, but hopes it will be a minimum length stay. So, for now, it seems like Royce Lewis will uh, get some plate appearances here with the Twins. Mitch Garver was placed on the IL with a flexor sprain in his right forearm. Jonah Heim went two for four on Tuesday, and he's hit well when given an opportunity to play this season. He's 35% rostered if you need a replacement for Mitch Garver. Uh, Dodgers pitching prospect. I should have asked you this beforehand, Scott. Remind me. This is Ryan Pepio. Yeah, Pepio. Okay. That's a fun name to say. That is a fun name. He will be called up on Wednesday to start in Pittsburgh. It sounds like it's just a spot start, but so far at AAA this year, 205 ERA, 1.14 whip, 36 strikeouts over 26 and a third innings pitched. Uh, Scott, are we just scouting this start for now? I assume we shouldn't add him, but what do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't add him. The one number you didn't mention is the walk rate, which is not good and has never been good. The stuff is is great. Great stuff. Uh, the changeup, Baseball America gives it an 80 grade. That's as, that's as good as it gets, and they don't, they don't hand out 80 grades easily. Uh, but he has... And, and like the fastball, it... It's a good bat-missing, high-velocity pitch, but he just has a lot of trouble locating it, which can lead to him uh, giving up a lot of hits, a lot of walks. It, I could see this profile going either way. I could see him striking out a bunch of guys in his debut and, and becoming this exciting pickup if they are able to find a spot for him. Or, you know, I could see how, what... What happened in spring training to him happening in this start and what happened to Pepio in spring training was he gave up nine earned runs in six innings. Ooh, not great. All right. Well, I guess you cross your fingers and you hope that 
the Dodgers just do what they do, and everything they touch turns to gold. We'll see. Yeah, with- no, I mean, a great, it's a good prospect either way, regardless of what happens in his debut. I, I just don't know that he's quite ready to debut. Spe- but what do I know? Speaking, uh, you know quite a bit, Scott. Speaking of mm-hmm. prospects, Paul DeYoung was optioned to AAA on Tuesday, and my initial reaction was, Nolan Gorman, he's going to get the call. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's it was his birthday on Tuesday. Someone tweeted that at me, so that would have been an mm-hmm. awesome birthday gift. But it hasn't happened thus far. Brendan Donovan started at shortstop, uh, and apparently Edmundo Sosa could be activated from the COVID IL on Re- Thursday. Remember when the Rays traded Willie Adamez to the Brewers last year, and everybody was like, "This is it, Wander Franco," and then they called up Taylor Walls. <laughs> yes. like, that's what this feels like. And um, I did see that Tommy Edmund is going to be taking ground balls at shortstop in. Pra- and like in, in infield practice or whatever they call it, uh, but that they have no intention of moving him there now. Yeah, and but I, I saw Edmundo Sosa is going to get every opportunity, but like, why? How many how many <laughs> opportunities is that going to take? Well, it yeah. just like it, I don't know. From our perspective, like I, he may be a, a better player in real life than in fantasy, but I just like. There's no reason for us to want Edmundo Sosa to get Sosa to get an opportunity over Nolan Gorman. And look, it is worth noting Nolan Gorman is struggling out a ton. Yes, in AAA yeah. now he's and and that's hitting what, a ton of home runs also. But like with the way we've seen guys struggle with their the transition from AAA to to the majors, it's entirely possible that Nolan Gorman would get called up and just get overwhelmed. The same way Jared Kelenic and and everyone, frankly, uh, has been overwhelmed and. You know, the guy with a 35% strikeout rate probably has a better chance of being overwhelmed than most. So, but he, just call he, Gorman. Gorman, Gorman you know? played 76 games at AAA last year and only struck out 19.2% of the time. So, like, <clears throat> he doesn't have to strike out this much. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm guessing the Cardinals are hopeful he'll cut it out. <laughs> and then it'll be easier to justify calling him up. Yeah, yeah. he's got... For context, he's got 37 home runs in 145 games between Double A AA and Triple A, with 153 strikeouts. So, like, that's a lot of strikeouts, but it's not an especially alarming amount. Um, so, yeah, just call Nolan Gorman up. You know, uh, look if you have a roster spot available, I think Nolan Gorman will be here sooner rather than later. Yeah. It is unlikely. I, I would I would rank him behind only Weeders. And no. I guess Max Myers. Wait, Scott, do you know oh, what you again, just huh? did? Do you know what you just did? I oh. just, I know what I just did. Not Matt Wieters, but Adley Rushman. Not totally Eric different Osmer, people. But Nick Ratto. That was great. Yeah, no, I mean, I yeah. I, I guess I've been doing this too long. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> behind only Adley Rushman and I guess Max... Max Meyer, you know, depending on what your needs are, I might put him ahead of uh, Nolan Gorman too, as far as the the top prospects to stash go. But I think those are that's the clear top three right now. All right, it is unlikely that Adam Wainwright will make a start this week, as he is on the COVID IL. Will Myers and Luke Voigt were activated and were batting fifth and sixth respectively on Tuesday. Uh, Chris, are you looking to add either? Luke Voigt is fifty eight percent rostered. Will Myers is thirty percent. I mean, man, Luke Voigt struck out, what, 12 times in 18 plate appearances during his rehab assignment. So that that's yep. pretty alarming uh, given how bad he was uh, before. But I'm still excited about Luke Voigt and the possibility of him playing every day. He only struck out once in four plate appearances so far today with a hard hit ball. So 
progress. He walked twice. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I have stashed Luke Voigt in several spots. So yeah, I, I still think he's, he's worth uh, keeping on your roster. I agree. I, I'm not ready to give up, but I understand why so many people are. All right. Man, I, sorry, I, I just got distracted, and I was looking at the box score. Eric Hosmer has hit balls 80, 89, 97, 108, and 111 miles per hour today. So four hard hit balls. Launch angle, negative 9, negative 10, negative 13, negative 18 degrees. Oof. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for continuing to not be excited about Eric Hosmer. And there's no amount of 450 BABIP weeks that can change my mind. Come on, say something nice about Eric Hosmer for once. Dodgers catcher Will Smith was held out of the lineup with a minor pectoral injury. Rays prospect Vidal Brujan was recalled and started in right field, batting eighth on Tuesday. He was batting 300 with six steals in the minors. He's 20% rostered. Don't think you need to add him yet, but let's... Watch Vidal Brujan, see what he does. Manny Margot not in the lineup after leaving Monday with right hamstring discomfort. Brandon Belt returned to the Giants lineup, and he hit second in that lineup. Hyunjin Ryu on track to return and start on Saturday against the Rays. He's been on the IL for nearly a month with left forearm inflammation. Andrew Vaughn will start a rehab assignment at AAA on Wednesday. The Padres shortstop prospect, C.J. Abrams, was optioned back to AAA. He was batting just 182 through 20 games. Scott, we can comfortably drop C.J. Abrams, right? Yeah, I might hold on to him in some of those 15-team roto leagues where obviously it's it's hard to find stolen bases off the waiver wire, but he did appear to be overmatched. Yeah, he was kind of rushed to the majors, too. I I didn't really oh, think yeah, he had definitely. a chance to, to break camp with the team, but... He did, to his credit, so uh, I think yeah. it'll make sense for them to get everyday at-bats for him in the minors. Chris Paddock was placed on the IL Tuesday as he seeks a second opinion on his inflamed elbow. John Gray likely to make his next start after leaving Monday's game with knee soreness. Mike Moustakis returned from the COVID IL on Tuesday after being placed there on Monday. David Fletcher underwent surgery to repair the adductor muscles in both legs on Tuesday and is expected to be sidelined for a couple of months. Uh, just a name to watch, Andrew Velasquez in deeper category leagues. He's been starting consistently. I, I think he's up to like five or six steals, so he's been playing well for them. Max Stassi placed on the COVID IL on Tuesday. Aaron Ashby won't start this week for the Brewers. I finally dropped him in the lone 15-team Roto League where I had him. So, I look, it's different for everybody, but it's really hard to predict with Aaron Ashby. They don't tell you if he's starting until the week actually starts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty rough. Luis Heal. Uh, for the Yankees, will get a spot start on Thursday at the White Sox, but is not expected to stick around. Can, can I throw in one stat about Reed Detmer's start that I just saw? Sure. It's from Alex Spire, um, Boston Globe. He had never thrown more than six innings in professional baseball since being drafted, and going back to his college career at Louisville, Reed Detmer's had never thrown more than eight innings in a start. So wow. that's, that's pretty impressive, his first ever uh, nine-inning start. Damn, good stuff for uh, Reed Detmers. Let's talk about Tarek Skubal and whether or not we're uh, buying this breakout. He lowers his ERA to 2.94, had his best start of the season up against the Oakland A's. So you take it with a grain of salt, but goes seven shutout innings, three hits, three walks, five strikeouts. And what I've noticed, the four-seam usage is down from last year. That was a pitch that was hit incredibly hard. He's throwing more sliders, more sinkers. The ground ball rate is way up this year, and he's also doing a great job of limiting walks. Chris, 
Are you buying what we've seen from Tarek Skubal uh, six starts into the season? No. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's worth noting that a 294 ERA is like among qualifiers, that would be like 25th out of 57 qualifiers or something. It's kind of nuts. Like, I, I think Sandy Alcantara is right below the median starter in ERA right now out of the 57 or 58 qualifiers, and he has like a 303 ERA. So that's just kind of tells you the the ridiculous standards that are being set right now but i don't know scoobal just like continues to seem like a jack of seven pitches master of none kind of guy he's got like two different types of change up slash splitter that he's worked on in his career he's still trying to figure out the fastball sinker mix and i just i don't i don't think there's enough swing and miss there for him to consistently be very good, especially given how bad the results have been on balls in play throughout his career. Now he's maybe he's turning that around and maybe throwing the four seam or less, you know, that, that could certainly help, but I just, I don't think his sinker has been good enough in his career to make me think that that's going to be a big turnaround. So I'm, I remain pretty skeptical about Tarek school. All right. Uh, he's still pretty young. He's 25 years old. So, I think there's a real yeah, chance. Like, I, don't, I don't want to dismiss the talent. Yeah, there's a it's chance. It's possible he takes a, a, a leap. And, like, I'm not saying drop him, but... Oh, of course not. He would be someone that I would be looking to to try to sell right now and, and try to move for one of those, like, underperforming hitters who we talked about earlier today. You know, like, I, I would move him for Joey Gallo. Frank wouldn't. Um, because, again, he plays for the Yankees and he strikes out, so he's a disaster. What did you just say? Uh, you would trade Tarek well, Skubal for Joey Gallo? Yeah. I don't know that it has to be anyone as divisive as Gallo (laughs) for what it's worth. But no, I mean, like I'm a little, I I think I'm a little more hopeful than Chris, but ultimately as far as actionable advice advice goes, it's pretty much the same. Like I could see it going either way and I'd I'd be more likely to call Scooble a sell than a buy right now just because of how it's gone so far. Uh, But, you know, if I have to hold on to him, you would want him released no I, I mean come on man joey gallo is just in his own stratosphere of just frustrating player man i'm not gonna get into it but uh scott i'm, I'm with you i think i'm a, a little bit more optimistic on Tarek scoobal look like we say about a lot of pitchers right now scoobal was going incredibly late in your drafts you know if you can turn him around for uh, a hitter who's struggling Sure, I'd say look to do it, but I, I, I'm buying yeah. this a little bit more. I, you know, the fact that he's getting ground balls and he's limiting walks, yeah. I, I've been really encouraged by what I've seen it, from Terry. For me, it, it's largely like, I don't, it's not that I'm not interested in him. There's just a lot more pitchers I'm interested in. It, it's kind of like, obviously, I think he's better than Reed Detmers, but it's sort of like that where it's like, while I like Reed Detmers and I think there's potential there, it just like it doesn't feel like a high priority to me to add Reed Detmers. It doesn't feel like a high priority to me to go out and get Tarek Skubal. Yeah, right. there there aren't the obvious like clear cut breakout signs that we've seen from pitchers like like Eric Lauer and Kyle Wright, who wasn't very good today, but still. Or Joe Ryan. 
Let's also not very good today. talk about Joe Ryan and Kyle Wright. We had some speed bumps for these breakout hopefuls. Joe Ryan, uh, now two subpar outings in a row. He allowed four runs, five walks, over f- four innings pitched against the Astros. Kyle Wright, his first real clunker of the season. He gave up six runs, four walks, over four and two-thirds against the Red Sox. Uh, Jesus Lazardo could not escape the third inning at the Diamondbacks. Four earned runs, four walks. You see a theme here, lots of walks for these pitchers. Uh, and then even Garrett Whitlock, who's kind of been breaking out in his own right. He allowed three runs, four walks again on three innings pitched. Scott, what did you see from these four? Anything that you're actually worried about? Joe Ryan, Kyle Wright, Garrett Whitlock, Jesus Lozardo. No, I don't think I have major concerns for any of them. Kyle Wright, it, it all six of the runs came in the sec, second inning. Four on a grand slam to Rafael Devers. It. I was watching that game, and it just seemed like he lost the curveball that inning. He, he lost the feel for it. It wasn't doing what it normally does for him. Uh, and then he managed to stay in the game, a few more shutout innings, and ended up get with a good swinging strike total, six of them on the curveball. Uh, I just think it was a bad inning for him, and he'll, he'll bounce know, back. I, I dare say there were promising signs from Hazel Cesardo in this start where he didn't escape the third inning and gave up a, a bunch of runs. Because... This is the first start where he's really thrown his his changeup much, and he actually got really good results in it. He didn't allow a ball in play. He had a forty percent uh, called plus swinging strike rate with it. Ten whiffs on thirty pitches. Um, you know the fastball has been a big part of why he's broken out this season. Obviously, the curveball has been amazing as well, but the fastball being going from very very bad to a pretty decent swing and miss pitch so far has been a big part of it. But, you know, if, if that changeup can be more of a weapon for him, and there have been signs of that in the past, you know, that that would be a really good sign for him. So that's um, that's a, a positive to take away from Jesus Lazardo's start. And then as for Joe Ryan, I just, I feel like I'm an outlier among us in that, like, I, f- I just feel like it's a gimmick. And I we've talked about it before. And so I like every time something goes wrong, I'm more inclined to be like, aha. And I don't know if that's necessarily (laughs) what happened here, but well, because I'm more skeptical, I'm less likely to just write it off. I think it's, you know, I kind of feel like Dontrell Willis was a gimmick with his leg kick delivery. And when it, when it fell apart, it fell apart fast, but he won a Cy Young before that happened. I'm blanking on the name. The, the pitcher who gets the only, the pitcher who gets referenced on this podcast and no other podcast, Marco Estrada, Marco Estrada, who is the comp that I, I made for Joe Ryan in, in that he was, you know, not necessarily a hard thrower, not necessarily a strikeout guy. But, you know, generated a lot of infield fly balls, generated a lot of weak contact and kind of got by on that. And he, you know, it didn't go away. Like, he was pretty good for like five years. But it, yeah. it also, you know, he went from yeah. a 3 4 eight to a 5 ERA pretty yeah, much so, one year to the next. So, I, you know, I'm not even sure it's worth worrying about the sustainability of it, except maybe in a dynasty context for Joe Ryan. I think, you know, what really stands out about his line today is he walked five guys. And he walked four in his first start this year, but in the four starts in between those two, he walked a combined three. And and like the two things, the, the two things that stood out for Ryan is how does he do it, not having particularly impressive stuff, and 
oh my goodness, he doesn't walk anybody. So like, it was just totally out of character that he walked five guys in this start. And I, I don't, I don't put much into it at all. Yeah, Joe Ryan has now made eleven career starts in the majors. Eight of those he's had one walk or less. So when he's on, you could tell that the control is obviously an asset for Joe Ryan. Let's move back over to some hitters. Wake up call for these three on Tuesday. Corey Seager had a double dong. He's now up to six home runs. Justin Turner had four hits, including three doubles, four RBI. Trevor Story went two for five with two RBI and a run scored. So a very welcome sight for those three. And hopefully some of those worryometer hitters uh, can follow suit because definitely need it. Yeah. Uh. But, sorry, I want to correct myself. Dontrell Willis did not win a Cy Young. No, he was, I, was, I, I wasn't sure if I heard you right. He finished second to Chris Carpenter. Second in t- 2005. Won 22 games that year. Two thousand oh, 2005. I think I was in eighth grade. Just to, I, just to date everything that's in, coming I, I out was, here. <laughs> I was in 11th slash I was 12th. In 15th grade. Look at this guy. Yeah. Look at this guy. Anyway, stud hitter is stealing bases. You love to see it. Ronald Acuna went one for two. Uh, his fifth steal in 10 games, so knee is fine. Looks good. Kyle Tucker went one for two with three walks and two steals. He's now up to seven steals in 30 games. That's a 37-steal pace over a full season. Cedric Mullins, four for five with a sock and a shoe. His fifth home run, his fifth stolen base. He The batting average is up to 262. Cedric a good Mullins. example of how quickly things can turn around. Cedric Mullins yes. looked like a, a, a pretty big bust like six days ago. Yeah, it's true, man. Like in one series, we're still this early in the season where you can flip your numbers around dramatically if you oh, just yeah. have a monster series. Same and thing with Roto standings too, by the way. Like if you're no, lower yeah. in Roto, I know it feels like you're buried. It's the end of the world, but you really can make up ground very quickly in a week or two. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen with a number of my Roto teams. And, and and like that, what you were saying with the hitters, I mean, it goes to show why you can't, the guys with these kinds of stable, studly track records who are underperforming, you just can't do anything with them right now. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, another example is Willie Adamas. I was updating my rankings. Willie Adamas is the number two shortstop in fantasy right now. <laughs> two weeks ago, he had like a 575 OPS mm-hmm. and everyone was wondering what's wrong with them. <laughs> yeah. It really can flip, so stay the course. Uh, Cedric Mullins, by the way, him and Dalton Varsho are probably the two hitters I've been most wrong about, and I will openly admit it. Tim Anderson went three for four with his fifth steal in 25 games. That is a 32-steal pace, so a little bit more aggressive on the base paths so far for Tim Anderson. Same thing with Luis Robert, two for four with his sixth steal in only 21 games. Uh, Bryce Harper also added his fifth stolen base as well. A few leftovers I wanted to mention. Josh Naylor, another home run, his fifth, obviously his third home run in two nights. He's 42% rostered. I think that number can continue to climb. And for those in deeper leagues, Mike Moustakis, Went two for three uh, in eleven games since returning. He's batting three seventy one with one homer, three doubles, five walks to six strikeouts. So deeper leagues, you need a corner infielder. Mike Mustakis is a name that is out there. Oh, we're just getting to it. By the way, fifty seven minutes. Aaron Judge, what a guy. I mean, league leading tenth home run. By the way, three run walk off shot against Jordan Romano. 27.5% barrel rate for Aaron Judge thus far. That was entering Tuesday, by the way. That's the best in baseball. So the guy of bet all on- the dramatic things I've ever seen. Well, thank you, Scott. Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Aaron Judge, he's betting on himself. <laughs> he was given a 
What's up, Chris? Why, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. It was just Roger Clemens standing there. <laughs> That's all it was. I love that that clip came out recently again. It was the anniversary. And, uh, Roger Clemens and George's box. Roger Clemens standing there. It's the so most great. dramatic thing she's ever seen in her life. In her life, yeah. Uh, Aaron Judge, by the way, he turned down a monster contract <laughs> extension before the season. He's betting on himself. So far, he looks absolutely amazing. So I don't know what that contract is going to look like, but good for Aaron Judge. He loves to see it. He Didn't get to these queen. names. Freddie Peralta, season high eight strikeouts. Tony Gonsolin was solid once again. Carlos Carrasco, back-to-back quality starts, providing a good amount of length in his starts this season. Giolito, seven innings, one run, uh, his best start of the season. Fortune favors the brave. Hunter Green allowed two runs over five and a third with six strikeouts. So kudos to you, Scott, or anyone else who was brave enough. Velocity velocity was up a little bit today as well. It wasn't quite. He um, leaned all the way into the slider in this one. Yeah, Yeah, the slider, the slider, and it got all the whiffs and almost all the whiffs. And and the fastball still got crushed. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have advised anyone to actually start Hunter Green, but he was my very silly fortune favors the brave pick. So, of all the dramatic things, of all of yeah. all of them, the call to the bullpen for the Mets: Edwin Diaz picked up his seventh save. Jordan Romano obviously blew uh, his save opportunity to Aaron Judge. For the Brewers, Josh Hader uh, tied Romano for the league lead with twelve saves. For the Red Sox, Hansel Robles will never get another save. I'm going to continue to tell you that. Uh, he pitched in the seventh inning with a three-run lead. He faced the top of the lineup. John Schreiber then pitched the eighth inning. Uh, then the Red Sox extended their lead in the ninth, and Schreiber came back out for the ninth. So he picks up his first save. He's not been very good so far in his major league <laughs> career. I don't know if it's going to work for him. For the Orioles, Jorge Lopez is on the bereavement list, so Dylan Tate started the ninth inning. He gave up a run, uh, and then Felix Bautista came in and recorded the final out for his first save. Bautista looks really good. He's got some nasty stuff, uh, he's but... He's throwing like 102 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, I think the walk think rate... Lopez has actually looked really good this season, so yeah. I don't know if you know I'm worried about it, but uh, just... A name to keep in mind on the surprisingly competitive uh, Orioles. Orioles pitching has been pretty good this year. Well, I guess that's what happens when you uh, extend your walls by 30 feet, right? (laughs) When you move left field back 417 feet. Yeah. For the Rangers, Joe Barlow picked up his fifth save. For the White Sox, Kendall Graveman picked up his second save. Liam Hendricks has been used a ton recently. I am just seeing now that Dylan Floro... Uh, made his season debut, and he got rocked. He pitched one inning. He gave up four hits, three runs, one walk. Uh, I saw a YouTube comment yesterday. Someone asked about Anthony Bass. Apparently, he's pitched really well. It's not crazy. I mean, we'll see. Bass, Cole Solzer. Yeah, he went. Let me look at his numbers. Has he ever pitched really well? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, he's been pitching really well, actually. (laughs) I, I did see... Yes, I'm writing the waiver wire column today. I wrote about Dylan Floro because he was called or activated from the IL, you know, before he got rocked in his first appearance. The Marlins ERA in the ninth inning is like seven. I guess Floro didn't pitch in the eighth or in the ninth today. He pitched in the in the eighth. But yeah, the Marlins have like a sub three ERA in the first three innings or something or the first eight innings and then a seven ERA in the ninth. 
So that's not good. Yeah. Anthony Bass looks like clearly the <clears throat> best pitcher in that bullpen right now. So maybe he will get a shot. And then for the Mariners, I saw that Paul Sewald recorded the final four outs for his first save of the season. I feel like the Mariners have had no saves or even opportunities for saves. It's been very weird. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Wednesday. Jamison Tyone versus the Blue Jays. Adrian Hauser at the Reds. Chad Cool at the Giants. Nick Martinez versus the Cubs. And Chris Archer versus the Astros. You know, I looked it up the other day, and I was shocked to see that the Reds are like 24th in runs scored per game. That was, like, that was stunning to me. I thought they like, were dead last. They'd be lower, yeah. I mean, uh, but I think, I think Hauser's fine. I think their pitching is like historically bad right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're losing by an average of like three runs per game. So yeah, that is uh, that's rough. Nick Martinez, I think, is okay uh, up against the Cubs. Tyone, I don't really love it. Uh, I I was thinking about going to the Yankee game on Wednesday, twelve thirty start time. It's a little too early for me. For Thursday, Luis Heel at the White Sox. Taiwan Walker at the Nationals. James Caprillion at the Tigers. Josh Winder versus the Astros. And then Jordan Hicks versus the Orioles. I know it's a terrible matchup, but I just, I think Josh Winder's actually good. And I don't know that these other pitchers are. Jordan Hicks... If I if I trusted him to take on a full starter's workload against the yeah. Orioles, I could get behind that a little easier. But I think I think my number one choice here is Winder, even going against the Astros. I oh. think I agree with that, yeah. Righty. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.